This podcast is intended for adult audiences. Over the age of 18, it contains adult language and situations. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to us, and not of any employer, organization, committee, or other group or individuals. This podcast is not intended to be taken as professional advice. Welcome to the Swing Nation Podcast, a podcast by swingers for swingers, where we look to educate others and push back on the negative stigmas and misconceptions associated with our lifestyle. Come with us and share our pineapple journey as we travel the globe, interview the experts, learn and grow together. Join the nation. Lacey, we get approached by couples all the time, and they want to know, like, where can they learn the 101s of non-monogamy? Yeah, I totally get it. You want to get in the lifestyle, but you just don't know where to start. We recommend Sex by Sue's class on non-monogamy. She really helps couples learn how to communicate and do the lifestyle the correct way. Yeah, I think this lifestyle, you know, it's crucial not to, to step on the landmines that a lot of us do, you yeah. know, and you kind of learn the hard way, you know. So having a class that you can take online, you know, in the privacy of your own home and kind of learn the ins and outs, learn, you know, how to approach the lifestyle, how to communicate with your partner about it, um, you know, I think it's something worth taking and uh, we highly recommend it. Yeah, so click below in the show notes. You'll find this link for that course. Check it out, guys. Bye. Bye. Most people have unprotected oral sex, right? Be honest. Now think about your last STD test. Did your doctor tickle your throat with something that looked like a giant Q-tip? Probably not. Yet that's the only way to check for oral gonorrhea or chlamydia, which are often asymptomatic. You need a better doctor. You need shamelesscare.com. Use coupon code TSN at checkout. So Lacey, people are asking, how do they get to go to a party or an event with us? They check out swingersociety.net, you create a profile, you sign up for an event, and you come hang out with us. It's super easy. That's right. If you want to party with us and the other faces and names that you know from social media and TikTok, head on over to swingersociety.net. Can't wait to see you there. Hey there, pineapple people, and welcome to the Swing Nation podcast. We are your hosts, Northern Guy. And Southern Girl. In today's episode, we have Dr. Store back. Welcome back, Dr. Store. Hey, thanks. Appreciate you having me. I, I think I think you're our first returning guest. Is that? Well, this is our third time on. That's right. It's our third time. Yeah, so I it's think her, so. Her, her, it's definitely her, the first triple. Yeah, um, for sure. We've had maybe a few of our friends on twice. Yeah, maybe. I don't yeah. know. Oh, I feel mm-hmm. super special. Thanks, guys. <laughs> you are. <laughs> uh, so since we talked last time, um, you, you were in the Discord last time, right? So you've, you've just become a bigger a bigger part of that scene. Um, so the way for the listeners that don't know, um, you know, Dr. Store joined the Swinger Society Discord. She's very much part of our community. Uh, she just We just published one of her articles in the Alt Life magazine that we just uh just got published a couple of days ago, yeah. which we're super excited about, um, and uh, has very much become uh, a community member with us. And so uh, we're going to have her back about every six weeks or so, uh, depending on you know what people are asking, and if there's pressing questions out there, maybe maybe sooner and maybe a little bit longer in between, uh, depending on how things are going, uh, to answer all your your medical type questions as far as uh, the lifestyle goes. Yeah, because I get sometimes it's it shouldn't be uncomfortable to talk to your doctor about these questions, but I do get it because I'm going to be honest, I get a little embarrassed yeah. and I'm like an open swinger. So like even being open, I like, I don't know. It's just, I know it's what society has made us feel, but I just, I get embarrassed. So I get that. So she has offered to answer some of our top questions here, which is super helpful. We would very much appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So, Doctor Store um, yeah. on the Discord, has, has there been any any reoccurring questions that you've been getting asked that we need to talk about here on the Swing Nation podcast? Yeah, honestly, recently I have had a lot of questions about um, specifically IUDs and kind of how they work and whether or not they're good and if they're as safe as they're projected to be, etc. So that's that's one thing that I've gotten a lot of questions on lately. 
Yeah, and it's funny, you know, we, we had a little pre-call to this when we, we talked about that. Uh, and, you know, simultaneously, when we go live on TikTok, um, p- pregnancy prevention in the lifestyle uh, is something that lots of people are, are concerned about. I think Lacey, just about every time she gets on TikTok live, people are saying, well, what if you get pregnant? What if you get yeah. pregnant? Well, and so just like a backstory, I had a hysterectomy at 28 years old. I've been in the lifestyle six or seven years, so I've never had to worry about pregnancy for prevention as far as for myself in the lifestyle. I know what I did as a single woman, but not in the lifestyle. So I don't like usually when people ask me that, I'm just like, I don't know. I feel like that to me, I don't know. And I mean, hopefully Dr. Shore can answer some of these questions for us. But to me, it would just be the same as if you were any sexually active woman, you know, or man, but like you would want to prevent. So it would be the same. Being a swinger doesn't really change that. But I'm sure she can give us some insight so that way we can properly answer these questions. Yeah, I think I think one of the bigger questions, as you were getting to, whether it's like in the lifestyle or not in the lifestyle, um, obviously your chances for pregnancy are based on your frequency of intercourse and people in the lifestyle are often having sex more frequently than those that are not in the lifestyle. Yeah. So to some extent there's that. And and also, you know, if you accidentally get pregnant with your long-term boyfriend or your long-term husband, it's a little different than, gosh, I don't know who the dad of this baby is. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's definitely worth worth mentioning. And then, you know, without getting too political, you know, the access to abortion has definitely changed in this country here recently. Yeah. Um, and so maybe that's part of why these questions are, are coming up yeah, more and more. Yeah, because it seems like a newer question. I don't feel like we've always gotten these questions. So maybe maybe that's why. I don't yeah. know. So if you, you were a you know, if you were a couple that was in a state that didn't have access to something like abortions, I could see maybe why it was, you know, maybe it's a, a bigger concern for you. Um, than it is for other people. So I think it's it's definitely worth the conversation. And the only other thing I might note, uh, too, is I think a lot of couples that are coming into the lifestyle, you know, maybe they've been married 10 plus years. Maybe one of them, um, you know, has been, you know, sterilized or fixed or not not able to have babies. So they, they don't really they haven't, you know, really thought about pregnancy prevention for a number of years. Uh, and I know that's kind of the case with, you know, with me and Lacey. We've always been swingers. But, you know, prior to us coming together, we we didn't really have to worry about it. Uh, and now it's kind of a concern. So I think, you know, it seems like pregnancy prevention um, options have definitely changed um, significantly over the last 10, 20 years. Um, so maybe it's just good to put some of that information out there. And that's that's what we got Dr. Store for is to, to give us all the expert advice. So so lay it, lay it on us. What, what are your thoughts on pregnancy prevention for people in the lifestyle? All right. So all the things. So uh, I'm, I'm going to start this out for the men. The safest mm-hmm. and most effective form of birth control other than abstinence is a vasectomy, period, stop sentence. Dan, Dan, <laughs> Daniel. Yeah, a man is less likely to have a complication related to a vasectomy than a woman is to have a condom allergy. Wow. So this is actually a conversation that Dan and I have really been having lately because, again, I can't have babies. And he he still can. And I'm like, you need to go get a vasectomy because then we don't even have – it's not a – you know, we take all the precautions, but I'm like, then it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Condoms and great. I, ev- and every time he gives me crap, I'm like, well, would you rather pay child support for 18 years? Yeah. Like you're almost done with child support, babe. You've got like <laughs> yeah, right? six months. Ooh, six months. Come on. Let's yeah. not redo it. <laughs> Absolutely. I, w- I will say I know a lot of men are, are like terrified of vasectomies. Yeah. But really, they are very safe. They're very quick. You don't require sedation. There's like one little tiny poke with a little bit of numbing medicine, and all of a sudden it's done, and you're like, oh, oh, well, okay. Um, my husband actually, when he had his, thank you, Reagan, for finally getting one. Um, <laughs> actually, when we got into the lifestyle, I was like, babe, you got to get snipped. He's like, yes, I do. <laughs> Yeah, Thank God. that's a good man. Yeah, that's I'm a, a gynecologist, man. and it took me getting into the lifestyle to kind of convince my husband to get a vasectomy. Um, <laughs> yeah, but basically, he was chatting with the urologist, and the urologist was like, "Okay, we're done." And he's like, "I'm sorry, what?" Like he, wow, it, it was that quick and that painless. Now, yes, there's like the frozen peas on the scrotum for a couple of days, but it doesn't affect your ability to ejaculate. That's one big thing. Um, it doesn't affect your orgasms. It doesn't affect the like intensity of your orgasms. There's still, you know, zhuzh that comes out. Your spooge hasn't changed. So the only thing that's not there is the sperm. So that's, that's important. It's also really important to know with a vasectomy, it's not immediately effective. 
that's yeah huge so what's the what do they recommend for how long to wait oh gosh okay see if i can remember it correctly i think it's at six weeks the urologist will do an initial test and what they're looking for is basically you ejaculate into a cup they take it and look to see if there's any live sperm in it um, or any sperm in it at all even if they're dead um they then if that's positive i either still sperm hanging around then they'll do it again. I, I want to say it's in another six weeks or 12 weeks, something like that. But it's basically once the urologist clears you and says, yep, there's no sperm, you're good to go. And then your risks of impregnating a woman are theoretically zero. Yeah. And so I have, you know, from the male perspective, I actually have no, uh, I have no good reason not to, not to do it. And I, I do think there is some stigma that like it affects your manhood or, you know, I mean, it, it, you know, like, Oh, you're less of a man if you, you know, if you're. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, I honestly, that's not the reason I haven't done it. I think it's more like finding the time to, you know. You don't want to take six weeks off from fucking right. on the bitches. That's right. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. Right, how long you do you have to wait to between having sex? Off from playing. Oh man, <laughs> I mean, a couple weeks. Yeah, it's rough. Um, but you know, yeah. if your wife gets their tubes tied, it's a six weeks off for them too. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, the thing about like the manhood thing, a lot of men are like worried about that and it, whether or not it's affecting your manhood, it, it, it doesn't affect your testosterone levels at all. In fact, you're continuing to make sperm. So the only thing that the vasectomy does is cut off the track between where your sperm are held and where they come out. That's it. Got it. So what do they just stay inside of you? Yeah. They just, <laughs> where do, where they just they stay in your scrotum. Um, the, where and the body sperm are housed, it doesn't like, you know, overfill or anything like that. Um, the most of what comes out with the ejaculate is actually just ejaculate. The sperm are obviously microscopic. And even though there's several million of them, it doesn't make up that much of the actual volume of the semen. So, yeah, they just uh, hang out in your scrotum. I'm dying laughing. <laughs> He's laughing. Well, that was a genuine question. Like, where does it go? No, like, I it's love just... it. I thought it was a cute question. Oh, okay. I just, I thought it was cute. Sorry. My spermies just stay with me after. <laughs> They just stay with me I to hang out. Cute. They just hang out with you until they die. <laughs> okay. Well, that's great. <laughs> okay. So other than men, yes. what can ladies do? Okay. So there, there's lots and lots of options for women. If we're looking for um, still maintaining ability to childbear, then really you have almost all of the options open to you. If you're not ever wanting to have another kid, then we talk like, taking your tubes out, um, doing a bilateral salpingectomy, which is the fancy medical term for removing both of your tubes is, uh, theoretically 100% effective. I say theoretically, because we don't have any cases that I'm aware of yet of people having a pregnancy after their tubes are removed. Um, so there's always a theoretical potential, but it should be hundred percent. The other thing about that is it actually reduces the woman's risk for ovarian cancer in the future. So it typically is paid for by insurance to remove the tubes instead of just quote unquote, tie them anymore. Um, tying tubes is meant to be a permanent thing anyways. And so like, if you're like, oh, well, I think it's, I might be wanting to reverse it later. Don't do that. Um, tying your tubes is actually less effective than long acting reversible contraceptives. So removing your oh, tubes, wow. theoretically 100% effective. Having your tubes tied, cut, burned, fill sheet clipped, or any number of other banding procedures that can be done on the tubes, risk of getting pregnant afterwards is about 1 in 300. Wow. Long-acting reversible contraceptives are closer like 1 in 600 to 1 in 800, depending on which study you look at. So twice as good to use a long-acting reversible contraceptive than to get your tubes just tied. Little known yeah. fact. Yeah. So I love it when people come up, come to me after and they're like, oh, well, I can't get pregnant. I've had my tubes tied. I was like, you know what kind of tying they did? I don't know. They put some sort of clip on that. I was like, well, your risk is about one in 300. And they're like, what? Yeah. I can still get pregnant? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I didn't know that either. You can. Um, one of my favorite stories, actually, <laughs> when I was working in Florida, my first practice, I had a patient who had had her tubes tied after baby number four when she was like in her late 20s. And she came into my office complaining of not having a period for a couple of months. And of course, we always do a pregnancy test and it was glaringly positive. And she's like, no, there's no way I've had my tubes tied. And I was like, well, yeah, it's not 100% effective. And you were young when you had it. Then I put her on the ultrasound and it was twins. Oh, wow. Oh, she looked at me. She's like, so how's the baby? Baby okay? And I was like, the babies are fine. Um, yeah. Wow. She, that, what a surprise. Oh yeah, no, she was, yeah. So that was baby number five and six for her. She had twins. Oh, geez. Babies. And we, we took her tubes out when she delivered. Um, yeah. So generally 
theoretically no more hurt. My my male question, you say you said long lasting contraceptive, which that means Long-acting reversible contraceptives. Yeah. In the medical field, we call them LARCs because that's what it's short for, long-acting reversible contraceptives. All that means is you can keep them for a long time. They can be reversed, i.e. taken out and immediately become fertile again. And then it's a contraceptive, i.e. it prevents pregnancy. So yeah. And so there's several different types of those, right? Yes, there are. There's different types types of LARCs. Um, The ones that we use most commonly are IUDs, which is an intrauterine device. A little T-shaped device that can go up inside the uterus. And I'll give you some more details on what kinds of IUDs are in a second. And then there's a device that can be implanted into the upper inner arm that's called a Nexplanon. Um, the Nexplanons, I typically do them only in younger patients. They can be done in any age. Um, but the patients past like the age of like 24, 25, the side effects typically are, are really annoying. Most common side effect being um, a lot of intermenstrual bleeding. So you get like spotting all the time. So the younger you are, the less likely that is to happen. The thinner you are, the less likely that is to happen. But that's a device that's placed in your upper inner arm. It's kind of like a little piece of plastic. Um, It's about the width and circumference of the inside of a pen. So, you know, the little place where it actually keeps the the pen ink. It's about that size and it's about two and a half, three inches long. Um, It's Placed while the patient's awake, we numb up the arm. Um, there's a little like gadget that it that it's put in through, um, and it leaves just a little tiny little tiny mark on your arm that we keep covered up for 24 hours. Little bruise, and then you're good to go. Um, that one is effective pretty much immediately, as long as it's done within a few days of when your period was most recently. Um, if it's yeah. placed kind of like in between periods or right before your next period, then you need to use protection for like seven to 14 days. I think seven days is what uh, the OBGYN like governing body says it's called ACOG. Um, and then the, I think the package insert maybe says like 10 to 14 days on it. So there's that one. So that's a long acting reversible contraceptive can be kept in for up to three years, extremely safe. The way it works is it prevents ovulation. Um, that's like the primary mechanism, but it, it also increases the consistency and thickness of the cervical mucus. And so little swinger swimmers can't get past it. Um, so less sperm can get up inside the uterus. It should prevent you from ovulating. And so it's very effective. Um, again, about one in 600 to one in 800 get pregnant with an Explanon device in place. So there's wow. one of the long acting reversive contraceptives. Um, the other ones are all IUDs. So the devices that go up inside the uterus. Are you guys familiar with IUDs at all? Cause it's what's been asked most on the, yeah, I actually had one. Okay. Um, I didn't have one for very long, uh, because it was taken out when I had a hysterectomy, but yeah, I, I did have one. Okay. Yeah. So there's different kinds. Um, I like to say there's, there's two different brands. There's those with and the one without hormones. Mm-hmm. The one without hormones is called the Paragard. Um, it has copper on it. What's interesting about that one is it doesn't do anything to your hormones at all. So no effect on the hormones, doesn't affect your periods um, as far as like when they come. It doesn't affect ovulation. You continue to ovulate. Um, What the copper actually does is it creates an environment that the sperm don't like. And so they won't swim past it. That is so crazy. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's like a sperm shield. It's a sperm shield. Yeah. So is... Is that mainly for people that just don't want the hormones? Because I know that there's a lot of people that look for something like that. Is that kind of what it's designed for? Yes and no. Actually, you know, I think it actually preceded some of the hormonal ones, to be honest. Um, People like it that aren't wanting hormones for any number of reasons. Um, Yeah. In patients who have like a history of breast cancer or a history of a bad clotting disorder or something like that. Um, you can still use the hormonal based ones, but sometimes they're a little bit more nervous about the idea of hormones and that's completely understandable. The other thing about the Paragard is you still have your periods. And I know a lot of women, my patients included, feel uncomfortable with not having a period, um, either personally, because it feels like, you know, to them, it's some sort of a cleansing ritual, which it, it really isn't. But, um, to them, yeah, that's what I was going to ask because to me, like one of the, reasons that I personally wanted an IUD it was for not having a period. Oh, yeah, so me. I would not be interested in that one. Oh yeah. Me too. I mean when I had yeah. an IUD I was like, no periods, please. Um Yeah. So yeah, the Paragard, you continue to have your periods. And so for there's some 
religions where the background requires them to have a period, like it's part of the religious rites. And so I, I mean, totally get that. Um, the other thing that's yeah. nice about the Paragard, if anything, is that it lasts for 10 years. Yeah. It can also be used for immediate post-sex contraception. So like instead of plan B, um, it is as effective within five days of having had intercourse to prevent pregnancy as doing plan B. Um, very, very effective. When we do it that way, it's not because it makes the sperm not want to swim past it. It actually prevents implantation. So if you did potentially get a sperm up in there, met its lady love and created a baby in the tube, then it wouldn't have anywhere to implant. So that one, theoretically, I mean, depending on which religious background you're looking at, would be potentially considered an abortifacient only if it was placed after you were already, like, had sex. Yeah. Um, so, but for the most part, it, it prevents the sperm from ever getting to the egg in the first place. So it doesn't, it's not an abortifacient in general, but it can be used that way. So yeah, that one can stand for up to 10 years. You continue to have your periods. They may actually be a little crampier, a little heavier than they used to be. Um, and that's honestly the most common reason we take them out is because people are like, yeah, you know, this whole period thing, it sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. So that's one of them. Um, the other IUDs all have hormones on them and how much hormone they have and how long they last depends on which one you get. They can last anywhere between three and eight years, depending on the amount of hormone and the type of IUD. Most of them are five to eight years. Uh, those are also FDA approved for heavy menstrual bleeding. At least some of them are. So I have patients who are, um, they've already had their tubes tied, but they get an IUD because they have heavy bleeding and that. It just provides help for the bleeding. The one you probably have, may I guess it was a Marina? Is that ringing bells? Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, yeah that's mm -hmm. what I had too. So that one for birth control can last up to eight years. It does have hormones on it. It's the same type of hormone that's in the next planon. So first three to six months is your body kind of gets used to it. Weird irregular bleeding is common. But with the IUD, after about the three to six month mark, that hormone that's in it sort of prevents your uterus from growing the lining that you shed every month. So you may or may not ovulate it with it. Most people do still ovulate with it, but it prevents the lining of the uterus from growing. So you don't have a period. Um, vast majority of patients completely stop their periods or have very light periods only after that six month mark. And so that's why it's probably the favored when we're using it for heavy menstrual bleeding. It's five to six years, depending on where you are and who you're reading for the literature, but eight years for birth control. So again, super nice. The other thing that we found with that type of IUD is it's got just enough hormone in it that a little bit of it gets out into the bloodstream. And in patients that are like getting perimenopausal, so they're getting close to the time where they would stop their periods as a menopausal patient, um, it does seem to help buffer hormone symptoms. So women with IUDs are a little less likely to get the anxiety and hot flashes and that kind of stuff, which is just kind of cool, you know. So we often use it kind of wedge people into menopause gently. The, yeah, the other hormone-containing IUDs, again, anywhere from three to five years, they have less hormones on them. They're smaller. They're a little easier to place in people who are uh, have never had children or in teenagers. Um, most of those... Yeah, I was going to ask that. Because yeah. I've, I've heard... So, like, personally, I've heard people... And I'm curious what people ask in Discord, like yeah. what their questions were around it, because... I, I had great results with mine, but I have heard of people that got an IUD and did not like it and had it removed. Uh -huh. I've also heard that, like, if you haven't had kids, like, either it hurts really bad or they won't do it. So I just didn't know what the what was the standard with that. Yeah. So technically from the medical side, there's very few contraindications or reasons that we cannot place an IUD. Um, I'm not going to get into all the details of those, but there's there's just only a very few situations. So like if somebody's uterus is shaped funny, um, IUDs are not going to be effective. But yeah, yeah it, like I said, there's there's just a few cases. You've got active infection, weird abnormal bleeding that hasn't been looked up, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but there's very few contraindications. So even like the Morenas, which are the biggest IUD, although I mean, I say biggest, but they're still really, really tiny. Um those ones can even go into teenagers. And I have placed those in yeah. teenagers. Yeah, I had a 13-year-old in my practice one time who had um, a, a bleeding disorder. And they we found out due to the fact that she was like hosing, hemorrhaging every month with her period. And we I just sedated her, put an IUD in, and her bleeding stopped. And she and her mom were both very happy about that because she wasn't having to get transfusions anymore every month. 
Um, so you can place an IUD, like all of the IUDs, even in like kids. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the like likelihood of it being removed, if anybody's going to remove it, it's typically in that first three to six months. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I mean, I get it. It's weird. You got to get used to the device. You cramp for a little while. You have weird bleeding for a little while. But after six months, the vast majority of patients do really well with it. Um, and if after the six months, you're still having weird bleeding or having unusual cramping still and it's not getting better, yeah, we, we can take them out. Um, and those those would probably be the most common situations. Um, like risks associated and other reasons that it may like need to be fiddled around with, shall we say. Um, the IUDs do have a very rare chance of falling out. Usually that's with like a heavy period or something like that. It most often happens in the first like six to eight weeks, but it can happen anytime you have an IUD in. It's like a 1% risk, 1% to 2% risk that they'll fall out. Um, and obviously they don't work if they're not inside your uterus. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want to make sure you can still tell that your IUD is in there, either feel with your fingers or have your partner or a partner feel up in there. Um, the strings are just outside of the cervix a little bit so that we can grab it and pull it out when it's time. And they, they feel kind of like stiff tooth floss. Um, so there's that. And then there's a very small risk, about one in a thousand of the IUD getting up into the abdomen, either at the time of placement or later on or getting embedded into the uterus where it kind of like gets stuck and then you have to go under sedation to get it out. Um, those sound like really bad, awful situations, but most of the time they're, they're really not. I know that sounds kind of weird, but the biggest problem with an IUD getting up into your abdomen is that it doesn't work there. And eventually we have to go fish it out, which requires a procedure to get. But for the most part, it's, it's not like if you get it up into your abdomen, you're going to die or you're going to have cancer or something like that. It's just, it has to be removed and it's not going to work if it's in there. So yeah, yeah, that's, those are, again, I mean, like you're more likely to get into a car accident on your way to work every day by statistics than to have something go wrong with your IUD. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's, but I do feel like there is, um, people do worry about them though. Oh, yeah. Even though, you know, I hear what you're saying, but I feel like women do worry about getting IUDs. I think m- more so than just taking a birth control pill. I feel like if you have a conversation with a woman, mm-hmm. I, it's normal for them to have concerns about an IUD, at least for me. I mean, at least that's what I feel. Oh, absolutely. Like. And I, I would say a lot of my patients feel the same way. Um, yeah. And, it, and some people, you just can't assuage their fears. And I, I get that. But if you're if you're like looking at it statistically and medically, um, most OBGYNs choose to have an IUD themselves. It's... Yeah. The most commonly used form of contraception in Europe. Yeah. Like by far, like statistically mm-hmm. huge. Um, and, and the other thing is like birth control pills are actually a lot more dangerous for the patient than. than yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's not just well, about a- getting pregnant. If you happen to forget it, you're more likely to have a complication related to the hormones in a birth control pill than you are to ever have an issue with your IUD. So I get it. I understand why patients are kind of afraid of it. And I think most of the time it's either they've heard a bad story about someone who had a bad experience. Yeah, I think that's what it is because like even me just sitting here talking to you, I'm just thinking about like friend, people I've known, they're like, oh, I got an IUD and I wouldn't stop bleeding or, uh-huh. you know, and it could have been somebody that they knew that they knew. So it's almost like not really problems, but just kind of hearsay, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I, I mean, honestly, like people, it, it's just like with any other business, if, if if people have a bad experience, they're much more likely to talk about it than if they have a great one. Yeah. So, you know, people go online and they're like, oh, horror stories about IUDs. But if you do have weird irregular bleeding, yeah, we, we take it out after six months. And it's not like it's something that can't be removed or can't be taken out. Um, you know, most of the horror stories are are, are really maybe slightly bro- blown out of proportion. But I can't yeah, I'm, yeah. Yeah. The yeah. other thing is I have a, a fair number of patients who just really hate the idea of something being implanted. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I get it. Yeah, what's funny to me is it's often patients that have tattoos, and I'm like, you do know you got implanted, right? <laughs> or breast implants. Breast implants, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you, you put silicone in your breasts. Yeah, you in. yeah. Uh, and I, again, yeah. I get it. I got tattoos myself, but I also had an IUD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I had a great, like I said, I had a great experience with my IUD. I didn't have, you know, after a few weeks, I didn't bleed anymore. It was great. It was just like... You know, yeah, so, I didn't even notice it was there. Yeah. So if I can sell people on IUDs, I do because based on statistics and all the medical research, it really is the safest and most effective form of birth control. One thing you do need to know about an IUD, if you're going to be in the lifestyle, however, is the IUD is a slightly increased risk of causing an infection if you catch an STD. Oh. So, yeah. So if you catch gonorrhea or chlamydia, 
while you have an IUD in place, that gonorrhea and chlamydia have a nice little pathway to get up into your uterus, and that can cause something called pelvic inflammatory disease or pelvic inflammatory disorder, which where, wherever you look at it, um, which is an infection in the pelvic region, which requires antibiotics and typically for the IUD to be removed, depending on whether or not the infection is like bad. Um, typically, if it gets to PID, we do recommend removing the the device because it may actually get kind of like infected itself and start growing the bacteria on the device. So you want to make sure if you're using an IUD, which I highly recommend that you're really consistent with using condoms because you do not want to catch gonorrhea or chlamydia with an IUD in place. Yeah. So Dan did some research. You want to tell her about what you found? Yeah, I thought right it was on. actually pretty cool. Yeah. No, but I think before we get in there, so oh, if, if there are, talk. if there are people that are a hundred percent against uh, IUDs or whatever that acronym you, you told me was with the thing in the arm. Was it long? Next one on something? LARC, L-A-R-C. LARC, yeah. yeah. LARC. If they're against LARCs altogether, yeah. what what are their, their, their other options? Oh, so lots of other options. There are pills. That's probably the most commonly used one in the United States because they have been advertised and marketed significantly more. There's mm-hmm. different kinds of birth control pills. Uh, the way I kind of describe birth control, and I think this is super important to know because a lot of people don't understand how their birth control works. Um, the way birth control works is it basically takes over your system. It doesn't regulate your periods, although I can make you bleed when I want you to, uh, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. Um, I can also make you not bleed when I want you to. But birth control takes over the system. And the way the system naturally works is that two little areas of your brain talk to your ovaries. Your hypothalamus talks to your pituitary and says, hey, I haven't seen any hormones lately. Can you talk to the ladies downstairs? And Terry says, yeah, sure, no problem. Hey, ladies, could you pick me out some hormones, please? And the ovaries are like, yeah, sure, no problem. I'm doing my job. Shut up, hypothalamus. And that's what <laughs> creates the natural ebb and flow of a period. What actually causes the bleed of a period is the drop off of estrogen, which is right before the hypothalamus realizes, hey, there's not enough hormones are floating around. And then it tells the pituitary again to talk to the ovaries. The way that birth control works is I'm giving you the hormones that your ovary, or at least some of the hormones that your ovaries would normally be putting out themselves. And so your hypothalamus sees that and just twiddles its thumbs and never talks to the pituitary who never talks to the ovary. So I basically override the whole system by giving the end product and telling the hypothalamus not to bother, which is kind of cool. Okay. Yeah. And the That's end- kind of cool. Yeah. And I- Go ahead. I was going to say, yeah. you know, you, you talked a little about about the marketing of the pills, and it seems like, yeah, there's ones that, you know, that's uh, it'll make you happier, and it will uh, help you avoid acne, and acne, there's there's all these, yeah. you know, like I guess hybrid pills that they add other stuff in to try to uh, sell you on it. Is that is that true? Is that the case? Or is that- <laughs> Almost all of the birth control pills are either a combined oral contraceptive, which is estrogen and progesterone, or they're progesterone only. So it's not really additives to them. Um, the the acne thing is legit. Um, with acne, all birth controls that have estrogen in them reduce your chances for acne. And they do that by increasing a protein in your system called sex hormone binding globulin, which is kind of like Pac-Man eating up testosterone and spitting it out of your kidneys. Yeah. So any, okay, so there are some yeah, any birth control with estrogen in it will reduce acne in most patients. And I actually see teenagers all the time that are sent to me by dermatology for that reason. Okay. All right, and then the only other option that I'm aware of, if you're birth control pills, IUDs, or what do we call them, LARCs, mm-hmm. LARPing, Lark. LARPing, <laughs> not not to be confused with LARPing, exactly. um, is is condoms? Is that the only other thing? Is are there other is there other oh, things I'm missing? There's all kinds of things. Oh, there's more things oh man, Dan. there's patches, there's rings, yeah. there's shots. I've actually done them all. Yeah, really? there's patches, I've done every one shots. Of yeah, Lacey's all over this. All right, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the patches and the rings both have the same stuff in them that the oral contraceptive pills do, so estrogen and progesterone. And just the way they absorb is differently. When you put the patch on, it absorbs through the skin. When you put it in the vagina, it absorbs through the vagina. Um, the thing that's nice about the patches and the rings, if you want to call them nice, is that they last for a longer than the pills do. So if you forget a pill, you're in trouble. If you get two pills, you're really in trouble. With the ring, you leave it in, you take it out and put a new one in, and you don't really have to forget it. Um, and even if you accidentally leave it in for a couple of extra weeks, it's still pretty effective up to about six weeks of leaving it in. It's not recommended to use it that way, but if you accidentally leave it in, you still get some protection from it. So, okay. yeah, the thing that I don't really love about the patches as much is that the patches, depending on which brand you get, you get more 
birth control at the beginning of the week and less birth control at the end of the week. They are weekly patches. And so they have the highest risk of complications related to the estrogen, and they have the highest risk of failure. Now, there is a new patch on the market, which does have better data on it. It seems to release the hormone a lot slower over time and a little bit more um, reliably day by day. And it also seems to stick better without causing as many like skin reactions. So there is a newer patch that I like better. Okay. And is the shot, is that the same thing? You're getting some kind of hormone shot? The shot is progesterone only. So there's a couple things to know about the shot. It's once every three months. It will cause weird irregular bleeding for the first three to six months, just like the next one on in the IUDs do. After this, the third shot, which is at six months, most people stop bleeding. It is the only birth control that has been by scientific studies shown to cause weight gain. Mm. It also yeah. significantly increases risk for depression symptoms. So we don't use it that often. Those, those sound. Those don't sound good. <laughs> They're not great. We don't want. We don't want depression. No. no, 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 no. <laughs> or weight gain. Yeah. Or, or weight, weight gain. gain. <laughs> um, the other. The other thing with long term use of Depo is that it does cause bone loss over time. Now, mm. yeah, it, it, which is a problem. The biggest problem with that really is that the longer you use it, the less bone mass you create as you're younger. Um, once you've stopped creating your maximal bone mass, which is somewhere around like 24, 25 in women, um, after that, it kind of degrades the bone sooner over time. And so you wind up with osteoporosis in your 50s and 60s instead of 70s and 80s. So um, we don't love it for long-term use either, to be completely honest. But yeah, there are okay. post patches and rings and shots. And they're they're all similar, but it's all similar... Um it to to the uh, pills. It's just different ways of getting, getting it to your body. Yeah, to some extent. Um, any of the pills, patches, and um, rings that have estrogen in them have increased risk associated. Estrogen is like the risky part of the birth control for the most part. Um, increases risk for stuff like um, blood clots that can start in your legs and travel to your lungs. So if you have an unknown clotting disorder, um, they can cause strokes. They can cause elevated blood pressure. This is where we're getting into the it's safer to use an IUD. All of those risks you don't get with IUDs. Um, most common side effects for birth controls, especially the estrogen-containing ones, are stuff like headaches, breast tenderness, um, and mood swings. Yeah. Okay. So if I'm hearing Dr. Store right, it sounds like you are a big fan of the, the Larks. Very big fan of Larks. Yeah. As is ACOG and everybody else that's ever studied contraception. <laughs> if, you know, if you're in the know, you get an IUD. Okay. Um, now if I'm a married person and, you know, maybe my partner had a vasectomy, uh, and then I, you know, me and me, maybe my wife, you know, maybe me, me and Lacey have the same doctor. The doctor knows I have a vasectomy. If, if Lacey goes to that doctor and says, Hey, I'd like to get an IUD. Um, is that an awkward conversation? Is there, is that weird? Like how, how does, is there a way to handle that? Um, Honestly, no, it's not It's not usually as, as weird as you would think. Um, a lot of times people are getting IUDs for alternative reasons like heavy menstrual bleeding. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, and also typically Lacey's probably going to be asking for an IUD from a gynecologist and you wouldn't be seeing them. So, I mean, I have patients all the time that I know are married and I've seen in their charts that their husband's had a vasectomy and they ask for an IUD and I'm like, great form of birth control. Let's get her done. So, yeah, yeah, and it, I, mean, I think a lot of times we make it worse in our minds right. than it actually is. Like, because I went, you know, before we use shameless care, I went to my family doctor and got an STD test once, and I was like, like having to like, like talk. Petrified, yeah. I was like having to talk myself up the whole way there. I'm like, you can do this. You are a sexual woman. You can <laughs> ask for this. You're public. You talk about this. But even like, even though all of those things are true, I got in there and I was like. STD test, please. Like I was just like <laughs> hiding my my wedding ring under my leg and hoping he forgot that I was married. You know. <laughs> well, and so I, I mean, honestly, the doctor is probably more likely to think that your husband might be cheating than that you are a swinger. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. We're very rarely likely to dig into that because we also don't want to open up like unpleasant wounds. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I get it. The yeah. dude goes in asking for an STD, and they know he's married. They're gonna be like, "Oh, you're cheating, aren't you?" <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay, can we run down one more time through the the rates of effectiveness? And this is kind of surprising to me when I looked at these numbers. 
Um, I'm looking at numbers that say condoms are only 85% effective. Is that? That is, is with, that? that's with normal use. Yeah, absolutely disturbing. If they're used perfectly, they're like 92 to 96% effective and used perfectly mm-hmm. as placed before there's any ejaculate on the edge of the penis, um, which is more difficult than you would think. I almost said harder. Ha. Um, <laughs> it's just harder than you think. The problem with that is pre-ejaculate also has sperm in it. And okay. can have a decent well, amount. We of had a conversation about that the other day, whether pre-cum had sperm it in it. It does. Yeah, yeah pre-cum has yeah. sperm yeah. in it. So it has to be placed over the tip of the penis before any pre-cum, which, you know, a lot of men start getting pre-cum like when they're just kissing or somebody's undressing. Yeah. I mean, like, you don't have to do a lot of stimulation to get pre-cum going. Um, and the condom has to be appropriately sized. Some people aren't good at sizing the condoms. Um you don't want one that's too tight because it's uncomfortable and is more likely to break. You also don't want that want one that's too big because then it's likely to fall off. Um, so both of those, and it, it has to be used for the entire duration. So like before you even touch the vagina or the vulva. So if you're smacking your penis on her clit before you put a condom on, that's generally use. It's not perfect use. So yeah, um, condoms aren't super effective for birth control. Okay, and then I'm seeing birth control. Uh, what about pills? What I'm saying, 91 is that the number I'm seeing here? From 91 is with general use as well. Yeah, if those are used perfectly, they're closer to like 96. Um, and used uh-huh. perfectly is taking around the same time every day within an hour. Um, who gets up at the same time every day or goes to bed at the same time every day to think to take their pills at exactly the same time? I do not. Um, I was never good at remembering to take pills in general. So. Yeah, birth control pills are somewhere between 91 and 95, 96% if you're doing them correctly. If you miss a pill here and there, you're getting down to the 91%. If you miss more than one pill, you might as well not take them. Okay. And then I'm seeing IUDs and LARCs in the 99 plus percent is from what you said, one 300. Yeah. It depends yeah. on which document you look at. Usually they'll say it's less than one in, less than one in 100. Um, like if you look at the ACOG website, that's what it says. When you actually dig into the literature, it's somewhere between one in 600 and one in 800 that'll get pregnant with an IUD in place as long as it's placed at the correct time and you're um, checking to make sure that it's still there, i.e. that it hasn't fallen out, um, that, that kind of thing. So as long as it's in place where it's supposed to be, which happens almost always, then they are 99.6 to 99.8, 99.9. Yep. And surgery is also on, I'm assuming that's a 99 plus plus. The removal of the tubes is theoretically 100% effective. Tubal tying, clipping, burning, or banding is like one in 300 to one in 400 chance of pregnancy. Wow. So actually using an IUD is more effective than having your tubes tied. Yep. It's about twice as effective as having your tubes tied. And it's also about 20 times more effective over time than using any other kind of birth control. Wow. That's why we love them. Yes. So there's your advice, people. <laughs> Get an IUD. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then so <laughs> another thing we were reading up on was essentially what they're saying is, you know, if, if you're going to do a recommendation for swingers, it's to always have at least two forms of birth control in place. And, and in this case, it would most likely be, I'm assuming, some kind of condom use associated with whatever your birth control is. And it sounds like it. IUD would be the way to go if, if you're able to use that. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that is typically what I recommend. If I have friends that I know are swingers or patients that I know are swingers, I'm like, dude, get an IUD and use condoms every time. Um, and it, the condoms, honestly, are less because we're worried about you getting pregnant and more because we don't want you to get an STD while you've got an IUD in place. Yeah. So if, I mean, I'm not good at math, but you'd be up in the, <laughs> if you doubled that, your, your percentages are uh, very, very, very slim. Yeah, probably. I mean, if you do the math on it, it's probably like one in 3,000 would get pregnant with an IUD and a condom use. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Which is why we don't know too many people who have got pregnant. Yeah. Cause we swinging. get that question a lot. They're like, how many swingers do you know that's gotten somebody pregnant? I'm like, I, I don't know of any. <laughs> yeah. I don't know of any either. And it's partially because swingers are very conscientious to stay on their birth control. And they're also very conscientious to use condoms because we know we're yeah. at increased risk. Yeah. I also think that like most swingers are at an age in life where they're, more mature, like me as a 22 year old taking birth control pills versus somebody in their 30, you know, in their late 30s is just going to be a different type we, of person. We've lived through the risks yeah. of not doing it. <laughs> I just think you just get like a different, you know, a more mature grown up person. So I just think mm-hmm. we're just much better at that. I would also say a lot of people that are getting into the lifestyle, um, 
tend to be a little bit more conscientious about their health in general related to that. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've got, yeah. I've got friends in the lifestyle and patients in the lifestyle that are in their early twenties. And I'm like, you know, good for you for being this sexually advanced at this. Yeah. Beginning. Yeah. Also no, like, for sure. How do I prevent pregnancy? I know I'm super fertile. How do I prevent an STD? They don't, they don't want to get STDs either. And yeah, a lot of people getting into the lifestyle, they're just, we're just smart people. It is. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I think we nailed. I think we went over as much pregnancy stuff as we could. So I think now what we'll do is we'll take a little break and hear from the sponsors and partners of the Swing Nation podcast. And then when we get back, we're going to talk to Dr. Store about how to delay menstruation, not to be confused with ovulation. Yeah. Right. We've, we're going to teach you, Dan. All right. Okay. All right. We'll be right back, guys. <laughs> okay, bye. We here at the Swing Nation Podcast are proud to partner with Promescent. Listen, guys, we've all been there. You're having a hot night with a hot chick, maybe a few hot chicks, but you need to kind of delay the time before you pull that trigger. That's where Promescent comes in. They have this awesome product called the Delay Spray. You literally spray it on, and it delays the time that you orgasm so you can make sure that your partner is well taken care of. And as swingers, we're all about making sure our partners are well taken care of. And Promescent Delay Spray is the perfect product for that. Click the link in the show notes below to get yours today. Anxiety can cause ED, like the kind you get while watching your partner with someone else. You're having the time of your life, yet are having stage fright. Most men in the lifestyle use prescription ED medication for this reason. Shameless Care should be your provider. Shameless is less expensive than other companies and has a 50-state network of physicians who are lifestyle-friendly. Use coupon code TSN for $30 off. Shamelesscare.com. The Swing Nation podcast is proud to announce an official partnership with SDC.com. SDC stands for Seek, Discover, Connect. And with over 3 million members in over 50 countries, it's the world's largest lifestyle community and a great place to link up with open-minded couples, singles, and kinksters from around the globe. Whether you're just starting your lifestyle journey or you're an old pro, SDC has something to offer you. With chat rooms, live cams, groups, and blogs, there's always naughty fun to be found. SDC.com also has expert advice, professional articles, and entertaining content to enhance your erotic lifestyle journey. With information about parties, events, clubs, and businesses, SDC is so much more than just a hookup site for swingers. It's truly an epicenter that can keep you plugged into the pulse of the lifestyle community in your area. We personally love the website's ease of use and amazing customer support. They have supported us in our podcast and giving generous donations to our charity fundraising efforts. So if you're looking to connect with like-minded people, click the link in our show notes and sign up for SDC using our affiliate link and receive a full access for 14 days completely free. Make sure you join the Swing Nation SDC group and send us a message. All right, guys, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around and listening to our sponsors. Um, and so a question that um, gets tossed around often, uh, and, and Lacey's been asked this quite a few times on TikTok Live, and I, I've seen it thrown around Discord a little bit, and, and just amongst our friend group, is um, say you book some kind of swinger event, re- resort, a trip to Hito or Desire, um, and then as you get closer, you realize that that, that is the week that uh, – you're supposed to have your period or you're supposed to have your, your menstruation. Um, are there ways um, to change your cycle so that you can go have a good time in, in Hedo? Well, I think that's important to say, how can we do it safely? Because women are doing this. Like we hear about it all the time from our friends and stuff. Like they're delaying their periods. And so I just didn't know what is healthy what is the correct way is there a correct way is there a non-healthy way? i don't know again because i i don't have to deal with that so i just thought this would be a really good topic to talk about so that way we could be safe and do it the correct way yeah and we actually looked into this a little bit and um some of our friends gave us this website it's called hellowisp.com and we're, and we're in no way associated with this no, website not at all. but they are actually um advertising 
as a, you know, hey, order this medication through us, like an at-home kind it's of thing. It's called delay menstruation um, is what it's called. Uh, and yeah, and it sounds like the medicine they're using is Northrodrone. Is that the... Yeah, I don't know how to North say that. I don't know how to say that. Yeah. And so they just, they sit, you know, it's a telehealth visit. So they also do birth controls and sub pills. So if you don't want to go to a doctor, but you can order just that medicine strictly to delay your period. Um, But we also, I even reached out to a few friends to say like, what do you do? How are you doing this? I've heard of friends taking plan B. I've heard, um, I've sent a, a text to a friend today and I she asked her and she said that she takes like 800 milligrams of ibuprofen every four hours and then a bunch of vitamin C. I don't, I don't know if that's good. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so I'm just really curious to see what your take on all of this is and what you suggest. All right. So norethindrone is a type of progesterone. So the same stuff that's in the shots, the next phenomenon, and the IUDs. So yes, taking norethindrone daily will stop your period. And it's one of the, the methods you can use. So most common thing that a GYN is probably going to do with you is put you on some type of progesterone. And progesterone basically tells the lining of your uterus to just hang tight. Let's not shed right now. So you don't get the big drop off of estrogen or anything. It basically, I mean, honestly, it kind of tricks your brain into thinking you might be pregnant. And so no lining sheds. So most common side effect of that actually is breast tenderness and headaches. But if you take it correctly and at the correct dose, which you can do with norethindrone, um, I usually do Provera, which is medroxyprogesterone. They're both different types of progesterone. So either one is fine. Norethindrone is actually the usual progesterone that's used in progesterone-only birth control pills. So if you've heard of like the mini pill, that's just a progesterone-only pill with norethindrone in it. Well, that's what I was going to ask. So back when I took birth control pills, I used to like not take the period pills, you know, and just go straight into the next pack. The next. Yeah, I used to, I did that forever. Oh. I, actually, a friend of mine, she had endometriosis and that's what her doctor had told her to do. And I was like, I was 19 and I was like, heck, I'm doing that too. I don't want a period. So I guess I was kind of curious if that medicine was sort of similar to doing that. Uh, it, it's actually a completely different method of action. Um, oh, it is? Okay. It tells your lining to stay put. When you're taking continuous birth control with estrogen in it, it basically just doesn't give you the estrogen drop off. And so your body doesn't get that trigger to shed the lining. Um, and by the way, it's completely safe to do that. Um, we do use that for endometriosis. We use it for people with heavy menstrual bleeding. Just not taking the active pack, part of the pack, totally fine. Um Little known fact, the only reason that women have to have periods on birth control is because of the Pope. I'm not joking. Oh. <laughs> when birth the, control the was originally developed, it was intended to be used continuously until the Pope heard that women weren't having their monthly bleed and said that that wasn't appropriate. So wow. they figured out how long of a break you could take that would cons- reliably give a bleed without allowing for pregnancy. So yeah, so the only reason we have periods on birth control is because that's of crazy. Yeah. Um, if you do take continuous birth control, like skip the inactive tablets at the end of the pack and go into the next pack, a lot of women after about four, five, maybe six months of that will have a little breakthrough bleeding here and there. So I usually tell my patients, if you're going to do that, totally fine. Please do. Just make sure that once every like three to six months, if you start noticing some spotting, take the normal week off at the end of the next pack, have a little bit of a bleed. It kind of resets the lining and lets it thicken back up. Um, and, it, and then it stabilizes. Wow. That is fascinating. To it me. is really is. <laughs> <laughs> that they're all, the whole, re- it's a religious really reason. Yeah. The whole reason I mean, that, it makes sense. It's a sugar pill, right? That the pill that you don't. Yeah. The pill that, that you don't have. take typically has sugar in it. A lot of them now also have iron in them to kind of bolster you while you're having your bleed so that it minimizes your risk for anemia. Okay. All right, so effective ways to not have your period is to keep taking birth control. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm hearing. And then take uh, – there is medication that that is a form of birth control that you can get prescribed to you um, just for the reason of preventing your period. And you can ask your doctor for that. You can just say, mm-hmm. I yeah. don't like having my period. Can I get this? If you don't want to use a serve like a telehealth service. Yeah, a lot of gynecologists will do that. I have one patient who calls me the period fairy. Um, yeah, she's she's in college and and so basically every time she's getting close to her finals she just sends me a message through the portal and she's like hey I'm like yeah absolutely no problem and i just send her 
like six weeks worth of either norethindrone or, or medoxyprogesterone. So the, the best way to do it really, if you're like wanting your periods to stop on a dime, you're not actively taking birth control pills. So you can't just like skip the inactive tablets is to ask your doctor for something like norethindrone or progesterone of some nature to just take. Um, and it, basically while you're taking it, you won't bleed. And then as soon as you stop taking it within typically three to five days, you'll start a period. It can be as late as two weeks later. So your periods will kind of offset themselves for a couple of months. That's what, it's one thing to know. So if you're like, Hey, shoot, I'm going to be on my period while I'm on the bliss cruise. And yeah, you stop your period for that week. And then you have your period the week after that. You can't just assume, Oh, it's going to reset. and I'm going to have it the first week of the month again. It, it may become the second week of the month. You may have a period. The next period could be six weeks later. It could be two weeks later. So just know that when you fiddle with your hormones, your body kind of like gets a little bit of a jolt and has to figure out how to reset afterwards. All right. So it, it has the potential to throw your cycle off um, mm -hmm. yeah, from there on. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I guess that's worth noting, right? Because a, a lot of these women, maybe their husband is, you know, has been snipped. And so they don't take any form of birth control normally. But uh, but <laughs> but if that, you know, if it lines up to an event, maybe they want to have some on hand to to try to. So if, if say that's going to happen, right? So they're not taking any form of birth control. They're having a normal cycle, but then they know a few weeks from now is an event. How, how soon you say like how before the event, how soon do they have to take, start taking this medication? Ideally when I have patients that are letting me know in advance, it's about a week is preferable. Um, so like all my patients that I know are engaged, I'm like, let me know when you're getting close to your wedding. I'll stop your period for the month of your wedding. You just don't have to worry about it. Um, if you're like, Hey, I'm just going on a week long cruise and don't want to be on my period during that time. I usually say, let's start it a week in advance. You take it for the week before the week of the cruise and then you stop. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, like you said, up to two weeks after you stop taking it before you have another cycle up to, yeah, it can be sooner than that. Yeah. Some people will start bleeding like the day they stop taking the tablet. Some people it's three to five days. That's probably the most common, but it can be up to two weeks later before you have a period. Okay. And there's, there's. No side effects? Not, is there risks to this? Is there side effects to this? Well, there's um, risks and side effects to everything. <laughs> right. I would love if I could just say no, no problem. Uh, <laughs> offsetting the periods is the most common thing that happens. Usually low-dose medroxyprogesterone patients tolerate really well. Occasionally we'll get patients that feel kind of moody on it, breast tenderness, headaches. They're, they're common with all types of birth control, any type of birth control. Um the long-term use of those medications can like do weird things with irregular bleeding and can cause moodiness, but usually taking them short-term doesn't do that. Um, but because it doesn't have any estrogen in it, unless you're taking continuous birth control pills, there's not any increased risk for stuff like, you know, blood clots or strokes or anything like that. Um, so yeah, most, mostly moodiness is probably the worst thing. That's one of the reasons I like to start it a week in advance. It's because patients then will kind of know if they're going to be moody before they get to that time, in which case I'll change them to a different progesterone. Yeah. It also Nobody wants to be moody on a bliss cruise. Yeah. No. I mean, no, no, no. You, you want to have a great time. And, and yeah. You yeah. don't want to be fighting with your husband on a, on a swinger event. Yeah. Well, no, you have we, everybody we, else we have a, with on the swinger event. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Fighting yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what happens if they have not done any of this pre-work? Like they're not on birth control pills. They don't have a prescription for their doctor or and they're starting, they know it's happening or, or maybe it's happened. They're starting to bleed. I mean, what are your thoughts on that whole ibuprofen thing? Is that like a terrible idea or? Well, the way she's doing it, yes. Um, she's way overdosing herself on ibuprofen. Um, yeah. Maximal dose for ibuprofen is 2,400 milligrams in a day. So 800 milligrams three times a day or 600 milligrams four times a day is maximal dosing. Um, so she, yeah, she's gonna, she's gonna shoot some of her internal organs if she takes ibuprofen too much. Mm. Um, I know when I asked her, I said, how do you do it? She goes, I don't want to tell you. It's not good. And I was like, <laughs> well, no, I want you to tell me so that way we can talk about this because if she's doing it, she's probably not the only one. Someone taught her or she mm. Googled it, you know? Oh, yeah. So I think it's important to talk about it. You can use ibuprofen to decrease the amount that you bleed and to decrease cramps during your period. So theoretically, it may not make your period go away, but it may make it a lot lighter than usual. Yeah. That works best yeah. if it's, if you start doing that the day before your period starts. So like if you're on birth control and you know your period's going to start and you don't want to do continuous birth control or your periods are like super regular or you get really predictable symptoms right before your period, starting Motrin 600 every six hours 
the day before you are supposed to start your period and continuing that through, you know, four to five days will reduce the amount that you bleed pretty drastically, but it won't stop the period. Yeah. Right. But, but that heavier dose is not, not, not advisable from what it sounds like. Not 800 milligrams every four hours. No. <laughs> okay. Not a good idea. No, and it sounds like there's much better options out there. Oh, yeah. Um, in, in getting and out. what about plan B? Like, what does that do? So is that a real thing? Yeah, yeah, no, Plan B is a legitimate thing too. Oddly enough, it's it's guess what? It's progesterone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So these girls are figuring that shit out. They're like, we're we're going on this cruise, and I'm not bleeding. We're gonna figure it out. Yeah. So, <laughs> How often would yeah, you have yeah. to take that pill, though? What's that? I'm sorry. Well, I'm saying if you so if if you're saying a Plan B is that that same medication, mm-hmm. but wouldn't you have to con- take a bunch of Plan? You know, if you're going on a cruise for a week. Would just one pill be enough to get you through that that week? Uh, I would guess probably not. Um, yeah. yeah. So Plan B is levonorgestrel, which is another type of progesterone. So norgestimate and norethindrone and levonorgestrel, they're all progesterones. That's all they are, different types of progesterone. So taking high doses of levonorgestrel, basically it prevents you from ovulating temporarily. And it can, in some patients, if you're especially if you're thinner, it can cut out stabilize the lining for a little while and a lot of people won't bleed for up to a week or two after taking it so it offsets your mm. periods as well it's not quite as reliable as taking progesterone for the whole week um, but you can do plan b and, and get a pretty good kick out of it for a lot of patients um so okay. will it stop your periods very likely okay the biggest problem okay. with taking high dose levonorgestrel is that it makes you uber nauseated uh, we don't want that on a bliss cruise. you don't want that on a bliss cruise. <laughs> yeah. or you over nauseated while you take it. So if you maybe take it the day mm. before, um, you know, some people do fine with it, but some people get really nauseated because it's like four big tablets all at once. Um, and it, if you do get nauseated, it may make you puke. So if you do it the day before you go or two days before you go, you might get lucky and not bleed until the end of the cruise or not bleed at all. And then you're really only nauseous before. Again, okay. it's probably so cheaper to get syndrome from your... Right. Yeah, I mean, that seems like the right way to right. do it. Yeah. But I do get, I mean, the right way you know, seems really easy, but I do, I know that people are doing it these other ways. So Yeah, so it sounds like if we've learned anything from this conversation, if you are a swinger and you are trying to shift your period, um, you know. You just need to have that on hand. You need to, and it sounds like it's pretty reasonable to go to your doctor and say, hey, I'm getting ready to go on vacation. I'd, I'd prefer, you know not to have my period during this vacation, can I get a prescription for um, to yeah, do that? Because yes. they don't have to know you're going on a swinger cruise. It's right, right. Their you business. can say any vacation. Yeah. I mean, you could be going you know, to Hawaii for all yeah, they know. Yeah, it's none of their business. Yeah, you, you could be going to yeah. your sister's wedding. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. That's right. You don't want to get eaten by sharks in Hawaii. So <laughs> you, you want to prevent. I saw, I saw oh, a TikTok geez. about that. Did I really you? did. I really did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a TikTok no, for everything. This, this girl was like, she was joking with her husband. They were on like, I think they're, I don't know. And she essentially, you know, they saved up and went on vacation. And like the first day of the vacation, she walks out and says, baby, I'm on my period. I can't go swimming. And he, mm-hmm. he was like devastated. He was like, <laughs> he was like crying. Like, you know what I mean? It was pretty funny. But she he was, was just, giving her she, that ibuprofen. Right, she was just messing with them. But had they known yeah. that there's this medication out there yeah. that you can take. And if you started a week before, you'll I be good to go. Yeah. Take it during. And then, you know, you might have to. It sounds like there might be some cramping and a little heavier bleed afterwards, but if but if you spend a bunch of money on vacation, it's probably worth for that. Yeah, but like oh, yeah. realistically, if you're thinking about everything that we've learned today, first of all, your husband needs to get a vasectomy. <laughs> if you don't want to have if you don't want to have your tubes removed, then you need to get a, a uh, IUD. IUD, and then you don't have to worry about this for mm. the most part. It seems like for most people, it right. removes you know you don't have a period, so that seems to me like. Get an IUD and you don't have to worry about any it's of this It's like stuff, Swinger right? 101, you know, <laughs> like if you decide, if, Amen. yeah, if you decide you want to get in the lifestyle, we talk so much about like boundaries and, you know, communication and you, this is also a very important piece of it that I think we forget to mention. And so I think this was a really important conversation. Yes, I agree. So right. it sounds like get an IUD. If you have all Dan gets a vasectomy, <laughs> Dan needs a vasectomy. Um, and then if you are somebody that, uh, you know, doesn't have either one of those things, um, there are there is medication that you can use to uh, shift that in a, in a hurry if, if need be. Yep. And I think most gynecologists probably would not look at you sideways if you ask for something to prevent your period while you're on vacation. Um, but if they do, then you know, go to that list website. 
Yeah. Yes. Maybe. I'm actually sending it. <laughs> I actually am typing. We might need my, an affiliate for that. Well, I'm sending it to my friend that takes the ibuprofen oh. right now. I'm copying <laughs> and pasting it and sending it to her. I'm like, so you doing need this. The doctor said quit taking the ibuprofen. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. Excellent. All right. Uh, I think that answers all the questions we had um, or that have come up. Dr. Store, did you have anything else you wanted to put out to the Swing Nation listeners out there? Uh, the only thing is the website's up. My swingingsafe.com website is up and active. Um, that's her website. Yeah. That's right. Swinging that's safe. where we got the information from. <laughs> Did you realize that, Dan? Is it? Uh, yes. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I didn't, I didn't this is like that. a completely, oh. we might have to refix this. I'm sorry. But we did research to, to do this call and it was swinging safe. Oh, oh that's awesome. I love <laughs> that we found it. my we website fa- to find the information you were We did. About. We 100% did. We, yes, that's we funny. did. Yep. Like it's pulled up. Yep. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So swingingsafe.com is the website. There is a decent amount of information on there. I'm slowly but surely going to be adding other information and like more detailed um like videos and stuff that really kind of get into nitty gritty information. Uh, yeah. And working on you know, some paperwork, stuff that you can take with you to your doctor and just like hand them if you're really nervous about asking about STDs and that kind of stuff. Um, like literally a paper you can just take that has everything they need to know on it. That kind of thing. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So you definitely need to go check out swingingsafe.com. Um, it's funny that it didn't even register to us because we we had a whole conversation about your URL yeah. <laughs> on, on the last couple podcasts. But and then we went there to we so, just were googling like uh, I think we googled like uh, birth control for you know, swingers. Best birth yeah, we control were just for kind swing. of. And I think your website was one of the first one to pop yeah. up. And so Ooh, it's awesome. funny that that happened. But awesome, good um, job. So if people want, like, they hear you on our podcast and they have a question for you, um, I want to recommend everyone to join our Discord. Um, Doctor Shore has her own room there, and you can ask. They also can message you. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. If they don't want to publicly um, ask the question, because I get it. It's it could be a little embarrassing, even though we're all there for the same reason, but they can message you, correct? Yeah, yeah. You can direct message me through the Discord. Um, I do keep pretty good tabs on that. I have a little thing on my, my phone that'll alert me if somebody's specifically like communicated with me. And I mm-hmm. answer all of those myself. So it's it's me. If you're asking a question and somebody responds, it's yours truly. Yeah, that's the, awesome. Awesome. We really appreciate you. And then we um, take their questions and... Turn it into podcasts. Turn it into podcasts. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so check that out. Uh, get on the Discord. I mean, there's there's lots of good reasons to be. I mean, you, have you checked out the Red Room yet, yeah. Doctor Store? Have you? Have you <laughs> it's the playroom now, babe. It's well, there's a, two. There's oh. two now, but yeah, there, yeah, there's two. I I actually have. I should. I have not checked out the Red Room. Mm. Dan put some pictures of us on there today. Uh, They're yeah, now I'm checking it out. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate everything you do for us in the community. Uh, it's awesome that we have medical professionals out there that care about this community and, and are putting the effort to educate people. And we, we really appreciate that. And uh, we look forward to our next conversation um, with you here in the, in, the, in the future. Yeah, me too. You guys let me know when you want me back. Okay. All right. With that, folks, in a world full of apples. Be the pineapple. Be the pineapple, guys. Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed our podcast and want to support us, leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. If you want to see more of our content, you can find links to Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, OnlyFans, and more in the show notes. Come join the conversation with us and other Swinger content creators on our Swinger Society Discord server. If you have questions or feedback, email them to us at theswingnation at gmail.com. Make sure you head on over to theswingnation.net and keep up to date on all things Swing Nation. We thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye.